Hey, I'm Steph. I'm a motivator, creator, small business owner, and educator. I'm a lover of all things health, spirituality, inspiration, and business. These are just a few words to describe me, along with passion, grit, and resiliency. Regardless of what I'm up to, I am soul-driven to create a purpose-filled life and find the advantages in adversity, all while keeping a smile on my face. Soul Driven with Steph is a podcast that will fill up your cup and leave you feeling empowered, inspired, and on fire as you listen to interviews and stories of other soul-driven and strong women that have overcome against all odds. This podcast was a calling on Steph's soul to serve, connect, and share stories of struggles and successes, all to create a community so that you know you're never alone. Grab a cup of coffee, get ready to learn laugh and leave with wisdom and strategies to connect to your soul and get back in the driver's seat of your life today. Here's Steph. Welcome back to another episode of Soul Driven with Steph. I am so excited for our guest today. So this guest, uh, we met through a mutual connection. Shout out to Ash and Anna. And we are so excited to connect. I think we have a lot in common and just how we approach life and business. So please welcome to the podcast, Andrea Hansen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, so let's dive right in because I don't know as much about your backstory. Um, and so what, what took you from a full-time teaching role into entrepreneurship? I would say it started as a seed back when I was in high school and I worked in a bunch of different gift shops in the touristy town that I lived in. And it, I was always fascinated by imagining what if I was the owner of this store and I wasn't just working here. Um, but I kind of set that dream aside temporarily, not knowing that I would ever revisit it and went into teaching high school math because I did feel called to do that. And I loved my job. I was excited to go to work. I didn't ever have the Sunday scaries. Um, I wasn't trying to leave my nine to five. So I just want to preface that with all of the story that's about to come out. Um, I taught for 12 years and like I said, loved it. Then I was feeling not myself and I had, um, a toddler and just wanting to feel more healthy. So I started working out and got connected to Beachbody and was encouraged to become a coach because I was so active in the group and I was seeing results. And I was like, eh, I don't really know about that. Um, I felt very unsure about any sort of business. I didn't have any background in business. And I remember nervously coming out into the living room and being like, Hey, hon, um, I kind of want to do this thing. And he, he was like, well, I'll give you six months, no questions asked, do whatever you need to do, and then we'll revisit it. So I didn't need his permission, but I needed his blessing to know I was about to start a side hustle alongside a full-time job. Um, I fell in love with everything entrepreneurship. I, I loved that my work ethic could actually be matched by a higher income, which is not something in the teaching <laughs> yeah. world. Um, and so I just, 
I dove all in and that six month mark came and I was feeling the nudge to walk away from teaching altogether, but I was way too scared to say anything. Luckily, my husband was feeling the same thing and was brave enough to say it. And I started drafting my letter of um, leave of absence, a request for leave of absence. And I, within less than a year of being an entrepreneur, just as a side hustle, I walked away from my nine to five, just following a leap of faith. Um, And that evolved into then having a boutique that I ran out of my basement, later turned it into brick and mortar still running that five years successfully and growing every single year. We also bought a downtown building, gutted the second floor, put four apartments up there. Didn't know anything about that before I dove into that, but now I'm a landlord. And <laughs> I now am business coaching because so many people were asking, how, how do I do that? I want to do what you're doing. So I host workshops and retreats as well now. So it all just kind of domino effect. <laughs> Yes, all because you are willing to just take that gut inkling and see where it goes and explore it, right? Um, That's so funny. We have a lot of similarities in our beginning stories. I was going to be a high school history teacher. I never ended up pursuing that because I started my business in college, but Beachbody was the first uh, certification I did was Turbo Kick. Um, And I did Pio and Insanity and all of those back in the day. So it was a really great entry point for me to get into what I was doing, too. So sometimes you just need that little nudge into something new because you just don't know where it's going to take you. And if you're willing to have the courage to follow it and see where it goes and obviously having the support of your partner, I'm sure, was a huge blessing. Everyone needs that kind of validation from their partner. in life. But I just love that you are willing to explore what would this look like? And two, that you weren't leaving your teaching career because you weren't happy necessarily. You just felt like there was more, there was more in store um, for you. So how did you rally your partner to get behind not only just this one decision, but then multiple, right? Was there ever a point where he was like, "Uh, I supported you in this, but now you're, you're taking bigger risks. So how do you do that? Because I think that is a big struggle um, with a lot of women that want to start businesses is trying to get their significant other to see from see their vision right when we can't really make them see that oh my gosh this is probably one of the most popular questions I get from clients when they book a call with me is my husband is so conservative not going to take a risk my my husband's an engineer so just put that into perspective (laughs) He is the most risk-averse human being on the planet. In my opinion, his whole job is to make sure that the plan is solid enough that the bridge isn't going to fall down. So he is all about poking holes in ideas and seeing it from all the different ways of how bad the idea is because you need to flush all that out to make sure that it's a good, solid plan. Well, that kind of mindset doesn't work real well with a dreamer and a vision caster, you know, in the beginning stages. So we have had very, very long and hard conversations over the last eight years. And gosh, we have even had therapy to try to figure out how to communicate better. And what we have learned for us that works the best is I have spent the beginning years of my entrepreneurship not 
cluing him in on what my expectations or needs are in a conversation. So if I have a brand new idea that I'm bringing to him, (laughs) if I just come at him with my excitement, it freaks him out. First of all, at this point, he knows that if I come with an idea, it's probably going to happen because whatever I get excited about usually manifests. So he is already like his mind, his anxiety is like, all right, we're going to the bank tomorrow. We have to figure out a loan situation. And I started cueing the conversation first. So I would say, hey, I have a brand new idea that I'm excited about. And I just need you to be excited with me for two minutes. Just sit in the excitement with me. I'm not ready to go to the bank. We're not doing this. I'm just thinking about the possibilities. And that changed everything because he knew he felt safe in the conversation and he could meet my needs, which made him happy as well. We're not perfect in this. I forget to do this sometimes and I bombard him with my overexcitement on something, but it is a really good grounding place because for a, a time I wasn't bringing anything to him because it, it hurt to hear that. Like, well, have you thought about this? Well, have you thought about this? Are you sure about this? Does that sound, I don't know about that idea. You know, that dream crusher vibe. Mm-hmm. And I now can leverage that and say, I need those things later But right now we're just in the excitement phase and I would love it if you would just dream with me for a second and think about the the open possibilities of this new adventure, whatever it is. I've started four businesses at this point. There probably will be more. So it's it's laying that groundwork ahead of the conversation. Totally. And it just had me thinking as you were saying that, like how many times we've maybe labeled someone as a dream killer when really it's just not how their brain works. They're not Mm -hmm. a visionary. They don't see all these ideas and they are just thinking through, okay, if she is going to do this, what is that going to look like? What is the effect on me, on our family, all of those things? Um, So I can 100% agree. My husband is not an engineer, but he is the analytical side (laughs) to our marriage for sure. And we joke now when I say the words, so I have an idea (laughs) because it's like, you know, he knows what's coming. But I've also like really tried to train myself to have him have that input, you know, and poke holes in it, like you were saying. And the last time I had an idea, I even put together like a slide presentation of like research that I did and like numbers and like just to show him that like, hey, I in the past have pulled ideas out of thin air, just, you know, things that maybe I didn't really do all my homework on. Um, But I'm better now, like I'm growing, I'm gaining that um, experience. So I think knowing your partner, knowing yourself, where you're at, having that communication, um, and just growing together, right, being willing to sit down and say, yeah, we are probably never going to be the same on this, this um, whole, I have an idea, but how can we work together so that we both feel supported and heard? Um, because yeah, I think you're right. I think it's like, we bring the ideas, the vision, the excitement, and then we feel like, wah, wah, <laughs> not an equal match to that. We're like, not what? The vibe. <laughs> why don't you see this? Um, and I've learned that a lot over the years is just like, you know, being a visionary is, it's a very unique skill set that not everyone has. And 
So being able to harness that and hone that. I love that. Well, I am excited because you are speaking at our Sister Circle Summit in March this year. So Friday the 22nd, you're one of our keynote speakers for the morning session. And you're sharing about trusting yourself and being able to make some of these decisions. So how did you learn to trust your intuition in both business and personal? Um. I think a lot of it is surrounded around awareness and knowing that I really do have an inner compass. We all do. Um, Society has us kind of numb to that fact, but the more you realize like you really do have a knowing in your gut um, and listening to it and just playing with that. So you feel a gut nudge to say something to someone. It might be terrifying. You're like, poop in your pants. I don't want to do that scary thing or, but you feel this calling to do even just a tiny conversation or a comment, but you truly have no idea the ripple effect that that can have. So the more you trust those nudges and then see the the play out of all of those things, the more you learn to trust it. So first, just being aware that there is something like in your core that is trying to tell you something. So some people, it's just more natural to to listen to that and to, to feel it. But I think all of us have the ability to tune into it. So for example, when before we bought our downtown building, I, for some reason, just felt like we should own something. My husband and I both had read a book on property management and owning property and real estate. And for some reason, we just didn't feel called to like a residential house, but to mm-hmm. like a commercial building that we could have residents on the second floor. And there's a lot of empty vacant spaces in Red Wing, which is I live by there. So that's where we bought our building. And for some reason, this building was calling to me and it wasn't for sale. Um, I knew the owner of the retail store on the main floor and he gave me the the combination to the lock that was the only thing separating the outside world to the upstairs which was just sitting empty and I I did the combination and I walked in and I knew there was just this peace this calm knowing that it was already mine it's so hard to put into words to people that haven't experienced that before but I was literally walking around with this wonderment and this amazement of already seeing what the apartments looked like and knowing that this was my building. And that was probably the most clear I've ever heard. Like it wasn't a voice, but it was just this knowing. And then we had a lot of, (laughs) a lot of hills to travel before we actually owned it. Um, like talking to the owners of the building and being like, Hey, I know you aren't thinking about this, but we would like to buy your building (laughs) Um, all the way through, like figuring out, okay, a pro forma and uh, is, are the numbers going to work or are we going to be upside down? Do do the numbers even make sense? What is a pro forma? I learned what a pro forma was. Mm -hmm. Um, So just like all the ins and the outs of the money and asking for gap financing, all these things that I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. But my soul kept telling me, there is a bigger reason you are supposed to own this building that you don't even know. And that was just the message that kept coming. So we just kept barreling through all of the things that a lot of people would have seen as like a sign to stop and not continue. But because I was so connected to that 
just like gut knowing. We just, we kept at it and now we have it. We took nine months to renovate it. Um, and it's like, there have been so many God moments seeing of who is renting. And it's been a lot of women escaping really challenging marriages and needing a safe place to land before they buy their next home on their own. And it's just been such a beautiful analogy, but a real life one um, of just trusting that even on tiny things. Usually (laughs) it's harder for me to follow on the tiny things like, hey, you should say this to this person over here. You know, you don't know what what's going to happen of that conversation, but I'm too scared to say it. So I don't want to come across as like, I follow all the nudges that come to me. For some reason, the big ones are easier for me. But um, it's, it's the awareness and practicing following through with it and seeing what happens afterwards. Yeah, I love that. And I can relate to what you're describing as that feeling of just knowing. Um, I felt like that when I bought my house. I just knew it. We only looked at one house. This was it. We got it within two days. And I also felt that way when I walked into my last studio space, um, just knowing that I it was a very scary big risk, but like I was willing to take the jump and I knew that it was going to take me to that next um, chapter of my journey that I needed to. I've also felt some of those nudges around things that are not good or maybe like what people would call red flag red flags have you had mm-hmm. some of those as well um those typically have come as far as people in my life where i just get an off vibe i value authenticity so much and so when mm-hmm. i can sense that someone is not being genuine it's just it's a no for me so I'm very mindful of who's in my circle, who I trust, and that that has been the most frequent way that I that I get a no nudge. Yeah, for sure. Yep, I would say it comes through, yeah, energy or people, just situations. So what advice would you give to women wanting to start their dream business while also working full time? Oh, I would say start. Don't feel like you have to remove a chunk of your full-time job to like create space. You can carve out space. I can guarantee that you scroll social media, um, that you do things that aren't necessarily moving you towards a goal. They're just there. Carve out 30 minutes a day, an hour a day. Put your kids to bed, carve out some time for yourself a few times a week, just start somewhere, even if it's just to Google, how do I start a food truck? You know, like, do I need to contact the city? Um, Do I need permits? Find somebody who has a food truck that you look up to and invite them to lunch and buy them lunch just to pick their brain, something like that. Get in that space start learning. Don't get in analysis paralysis and just like, I need to learn all the things and buy all the classes. That's, that's a fine line. So check yourself before you wreck yourself on that. Um, but just start, see what it feels like, get in that space. And that gut feeling that we just talked about, you're going to know if this is something that like, 
fires you up and excites you, or if you're like, ooh, this doesn't feel like I expected, this isn't the direction I need to go. So don't don't feel like you have to have, you know, eight hours a day to start something. Start small, take baby steps, and just keep going at it. Yeah, I love that advice. And I think it's you know, obviously easier said than done, but like, it's just not, you don't need to know every step. You're going to figure that out as you go. Right. So like you said, getting out of analysis paralysis. Okay. What is the one step I need to do this week? What's the next step? Like just baby steps, like you said, a little bit at a time. And I just think of, um, I was speaking with someone yesterday and she's 20 years old. And she asked me, what was your process of starting your business? I'm 20, you know, you started when you're 20. And I thought process, there was no process. It was just an idea. And I followed it. Right. And I, it made me think because I was like, if I would have tried to sit down and write a process and even a business plan, sometimes I don't know if I would have started. Like, I think it would have delayed it and then who knows where I would be now. But I think, you know, having plans and strategy is great, but not to the point where it's going to prohibit you from actually making moves and taking action. So sometimes you got to just do it and then you figure out the plan and the strategy once you get more information on which direction you want to go. Oh my gosh, 100%. It has to be messy action. I will confess that I have never written a business plan in my life and I own four of them. So you do not need it. (laughs) Honestly, like I see the value, but also I think you could still write a plan after you start, right? Like you have strategy now, but like to start with just the planning part of it is um, really discounting the biggest piece, which is action aligned action, action right absolutely <laughs> so oh my I gosh th- yeah yes. like just do it Nike absolutely just do it, <laughs> just do it. honestly <laughs> the, the business plan the the rigidity of that I think stops so many people's dreams because they think they need this thing this piece of paper and if you need funding the bank is going to ask for your business plan I have always started things small enough where I don't need that. I mean, we did have our pro forma, which is a spreadsheet showing all the numbers of your in and out of a projected business idea. And we wrote some narrative on buying this building, turning it into property. That was like the closest thing to a business plan I've ever done because we needed the financing to be able to do it. If you're just literally making it up or you're going to start a a knitting business and sell on Etsy, you don't need a business plan. Just Mm -hmm. do the thing, put it out there, learn as you go. The analysis paralysis kills so many dreams. Don't let it kill yours. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. If you're not taking big, huge financial risks, which most people probably aren't right from the get go, right? I wouldn't necessarily advise that either. But if you're not like taking financial risks from the beginning, then yeah, what do you have to lose? You're only going to gain more information, more insight, um, hopefully some confidence from just doing the thing and and getting it out there and putting yourself out there for sure. Yep. Absolutely. I love it. Well, obviously, 
you have grown and expanded probably more even on the personal level than just the business sense, right? You've gained all this business experience over the last five plus years, but I think it really comes down to like growing ourselves alongside of our business, right? Like what are some maybe mindsets or identities that you had to give up on your journey to get to those next levels? Well, the first one I had to figure out how to get rid of was the saintly teacher identity that I had (laughs) very welcomed in my life because it was so easy to go to a party and people are like, oh, what do you do? I'm a teacher. And they're like, oh, you're one. I don't know how you do it. And you know that like words of affirmation and all that, like just feeding my ego. Um, And I had to shed that and be like, I sell things. That's to me, in my mind, the total opposite of self-sacrificing teacher and all those things. But what I realized is I have always been selling. Teaching is literally selling. I stood up there and did my song and dance and all my lame math jokes and got kids interested in math because I cared about them. And I tested all the different ways to like engage a classroom over 12 years. And I had incredible relationships with these kids. And my favorite parts about teaching was study hall where I could have those real life conversations with them be like, what do you want to be when you leave this place? Like, let's figure out how to do that. So I have always been doing what I'm doing now, which is empowering other people to live in their truth and be who they are and seeing them for where they're at. Um, And so that realization and connection made it so much easier to be like, that was me for 12 years. And I was called to do that. I was meant to be there. That wasn't a mistake. That was, that was me. And now I'm setting that teacher hat down and I am entrepreneur, but I also get to like pick my teacher hat back up when I am teaching and empowering and coaching other women in business. So it was shedding that like fully, like shutting the door on that and then stepping into this new person. But each business where I literally know nothing, you guys listening to this need to know that I knew nothing about like owning a brick and mortar and paying employees and all of those things that go into a brick and mortar business, zero. And I still left. Like it was messy in the beginning. I figured it out. And I, the IRS has not put me in jail yet. So (laughs) we are winning. Um, I also have never been a project manager on a building project, but you just, you do it. And each level required me to shed a, a limiting belief of the person I was before that. So new level, new devil, as they say, but there are new challenges every single level that you go up, but you also have to like be okay with setting aside the person that got you to that point and be like, thank you for carrying me here, but Mm -hmm. I need to set you down because I need to become this new, I don't want to say better because I do feel like we are inherently worthy. I don't want to say like, I'm like, more of a person, but the, the coping mechanisms and and all the, the self-limiting beliefs of before have to stay there if I am going to actually step into this new version of me. Yeah. It's like an upgraded version, right? I've been talking to our sister circle members about how we are always upgrading our phone and our software and all this stuff. And 
When was the last time we really looked at upgrading ourselves, our mindset, our habits, our, you know, actions, the people we surround ourselves with? We have to do the same for ourselves as we move through these evolutions and transitions of business and life. So I love that. And I love that you just, you know, shared vulnerably that like, I didn't know what I was doing when I did these things, but I figured it out. And I think that's like truly the beauty of entrepreneurship is it allows you to learn so many skills. Some you find out you're really good at and others you hire people for. Um, But it's just like an ever ongoing classroom of life. And if you're a growth minded person, which obviously you are, um, I love that you have a teaching background too, because at the end of the day, like I consider myself a teacher as well. Like I always wanted to be one. I taught group fitness and yoga instead of high school history. And now I get to teach what I'm really passionate about, which is business and helping women, you know, become their, their best self. Um, and I think that's a through line as well. Like you're a teacher through and through. I think you and I are probably similar where we like to go explore, learn new things, figure it out, maybe from failures, maybe from things going well, and then pass that on and share what we've learned to help other people, you know, succeed and find happiness as well. So yeah, I I would like to, I would like to flip things and ask you a question because you said the word failure. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Do you feel like, what do you think about failure? I don't want to like, steer the question in any way, because I'm a former stats teacher. So I know the way you ask a question can (laughs) produce a certain answer. What what are your thoughts on failure? I would love to hear that. I struggle with the word itself, because I don't know if anything is truly a failure. Um, I've heard the saying like fail forward. I think that's John Maxwell, Um, you know, basically use it as a springboard. I think that I've had a lot of experiences where in my mind, I've like publicly kind of failed and allowed that to not crush me. Did it crush me a little bit? Yes. <laughs> but to use it as, you know, they say failures are just learning lessons and experiences. So um, I don't know if I like really love the word failure, but I think using that fail, fa- that experience of feeling maybe like a failure as a way to, you know, better yourself, learn new things, also show that you're human. Um, I think that actually failures, so quote unquote failures are what actually connect us more with other people. Successes Mm -hmm. tend to separate us more. You know, we create that gap, that distance where if we can share what maybe didn't go well for us, but how we came back after that, I think that connects us with who we're trying to serve on a deeper level than just being you know, I did this and I did this and I did this. Um, I think sharing, I did this, it didn't go as I hoped, but you know, and then that's that kind of like underdog story. I think that's, that's where I connect to the word failure, but I know what you mean by like, is it really a failure? I don't know. I think it depends on how you look at it, right? Like what's your mindset around it? Um, society, you know, loves to put that fear in people that, that fear of failure. I think that's what keeps a lot of people stuck and regretful and maybe, you know, not taking those leaps, like you were saying that they feel called to do. So Mm -hmm. I think the fear of failure is very real. um, And feeling like a failure doesn't feel good. But if you can use it as an opportunity to grow and learn and share your story, then it's not a failure, right? 
Agreed. Totally agree. I always, I struggle with that question. I've been asked that on other podcasts, like, can you talk about some failures that you've been through? And because I see them in the way that you see them, it's hard Mm -hmm. for me to recall them because I don't allow them to negatively penetrate like who I am. I'm just like, oh, well, that was kind of a, a hard day, a tough lesson. I won't do that again. And so I think if if more women, like you were saying, can like embrace that you're going to learn things along the way, not going mm-hmm. to fail, but you're going to learn really amazing things that you didn't know before. It may be learning the hard way, quote unquote, but like it's what's the actual worst thing that can happen if you're not taking a financial risk and taking out a loan that you know, worst case scenario, you take, you mortgage your whole house and you buy a downtown building and it, and it just goes belly up. And then you're like, okay, now what you would still figure it out. Let's say, let's first just say that. But if you're not doing that and you're literally just wanting to start a business where you sell your crafts, what's the actual worst case? Let's, Let's go there. Let's think about it. And, and when I ask my people that I'm coaching to go there, they realize there's not actually anything scary there. (laughs) Okay, so nobody buys anything. And so the worst thing is you feel a little embarrassed. Okay, but did you die? Did you learn something? Can you take that and maybe create a different product that you still love to make? I mean, there's just, we have this big, like scary feeling around failure when I I struggle with that word too, because it has such like this doom and gloom when it really doesn't have to be seen that way. I totally agree. And when I think back, you know, you can connect the dots looking backwards, right? When I look back on quote unquote, my failures, they were the best things that ever happened to me. And I feel like some of the things you just described, I'm like, I literally did that. Like I (laughs) took out a loan on a space. I had my parents backing it because I was 24 years old And it didn't work out the way that I wanted to. And I'm still paying for that loan. Like that sucks, right? (laughs) Most people would be like, wow, that's a huge failure. But if I didn't go through that experience, I wouldn't have all the wisdom that I have right now to be able to help the business owners and sit with them in their valleys and say, I know how you feel. I know this sucks. Guess what? You're going to figure out a way out. You're not a failure. Maybe the business itself didn't succeed in the way that you hoped, but you're not a failure. This is going to be your springboard. This is going to be your story. Um, So I think that is a huge piece of it. And like, again, sharing your own failures. I mean, I even think of when I fought and trained MMA, I lost my first fight publicly in front of an arena of people. I was choked unconscious. Like, these are legitimate things that are fails, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I think you have to push your comfort zone of failure, To really be able to deal with it, right? Like how often are we putting ourselves out there in an uncomfortable way where we're like, yeah, there's a 50-50 chance, maybe it's more, maybe less that I could fail. And what, like you said, what is the worst case scenario? Did I die? No. (laughs) No, I think (laughs) adapting that, um, that like mindset of like, I just think of, you know, some of the successful people, most successful people are like, if, if you don't have a list of failures, if you're not failing enough, then you're not going to be as successful as you want. You have to be willing to put yourself out there and know that you're not going to 
you're not going to win 100% of the time. But it's the failures that are the stories that people want to hear, right? That yeah. That's what makes you unique and your story incredible and inspiring is like hearing those just as much as like what made you successful. So yeah. I love this conversation around failure because I think anyone can relate to it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is part of the human experience. Yes. So what do you do? Obviously, we're talking about like growth mindset, pushing your boundaries. What do you do for your own kind of filling up your cup with growth mindset? Do you have your own coach or kind of like masterminds that you've been a part of? Like what is what is a daily or yearly kind of goal for growth look like for you? Um, I hire coaches that are beyond me because I always think we need to be reaching forward to somebody who is ahead because there's always women, the right women reaching back to pull us up to the next level. And I can't get out of my own like spin cycle of thoughts and get outside of myself unless I have somebody outside of me. We are meant to do life in community. So do not skip the hiring of somebody, even if it's not like a person that you talk to, you need to be plugging personal development books into your ear. You need to be listening to free podcasts, like start free if you truly can't afford, even though I don't use that phrase in my vocabulary, like we can afford it. It's just not a priority. Um, So invest in other people who are ahead of you. Um, That could even look like what I talked about earlier, where you just take someone out to lunch that has a business that you want to emulate in your city, go to another town and be like, I love your food truck. Can I pick your brain? I'll take you out to lunch or I'll pay you $100 for your time. Whatever that is. That is hiring somebody. That is someone beyond you that is going to help you speed up your process of getting to that point that you want. Um, But constant rewiring of the terrible thoughts that we tell ourselves every single day just as default thought processes for us humans um so audible is always playing every day a minimum of a half hour i would say i have something coming into my mind to help me re-see my life better right now um i am doing the artist's way have you read that i've heard of this but have not read it no um it is like a a 12-week self-therapy and it. It is incredible. Highly recommend just looking into it. Um, Now that you've heard it once, I guarantee that you will hear other people um, talking about it. Those of you that are listening, you're going to be like, oh, somebody else mentioned that. And it's going to keep coming up until you just like do it. It's it's pretty magical. Um, I also have a therapist um, that fills me back up. Um, I invest a lot of time and dollars into me because as an entrepreneur you are here to serve all of your clients all of your people all of whether it's a product-based business or a service business you literally wake up because you're excited to give to other people give them beautiful things to wear give them a new mindset to walk through their day with so if you aren't taking care of yourself then you're going to be you know the cliche pouring from an empty cup And that's not going to feel good. You're going to get burnt out real fast. And The Artist's Way is a very good book to start with because it 
literally speaks exactly to that idea. Mm, I love that. Well, and just with you building all of these different businesses and things, have you ever maybe reached a point of burnout or maybe found yourself on the edge where you're like, ooh, I need to step back? Like, what was that experience like for you? And how did you kind of pull yourself out of it? Yeah, I would say about three, four years into my brick and mortar, I found myself still doing all the things. And I had a, a team, I, I had a store manager, and yet I was still doing all of the day to day, like data entry and literally everything because I had this burden for some reason that I own it. So I need to do it. And mm-hmm. my therapist helped me realize like, you can actually empower your team to take more ownership of these tasks that you do literally not need to do to keep this running. And they would love to do them for you. And I was like, they would love to do these. I hate doing these things. (laughs) I went to my manager and she's like, I would love to do that. And I'm like, what? (laughs) So delegating was a huge turning point in my burnout um, because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to scale anything because I'm just so busy doing all these things until this like it was so close to me. It would have like hit me in the face, but my therapist is like, Andrea, you don't need to be doing these things anymore. You, you have people who would love to do it. So that was a big, big shift for me was delegating so that I'm not busy doing the busy work and I can be more in my zone of genius and feel creative and inspired because I was struggling to come up with social media content during that time because I'm like, I just, that's the thing that's got to go. Something's got to go. And never did I think, oh, the data entry and the entering of new products would be the thing that would have to go. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's clear now looking back, obviously, but um, that would be the, anytime I feel burnt out, I'm like, okay, what, what do I need to delegate that I truly don't need to do anymore? And that's been a huge, huge thing. Totally. And like you said, there are people that like love doing the things that we don't want to do. So we got to find those people and pull them in because they're so grateful to have those opportunities. And I'm sure you create a, you know, awesome culture and work environment. So is something fun for them to do those activities that drain you. Yeah. So knowing that and asking for help and offering opportunities and Yeah, I totally agree. I think that like oftentimes the burnout just comes from one, doing everything, like doing way too many things and not enough that's like in our zone of genius. Like you said, not enough of like the creative, the visionary, the new ideas. And um, also just like knowing, knowing your kind of genius in your roles, right? Like you're, like you said, the visionary. So like having those people around you be more of those integrators of like taking your ideas and putting them into a system and putting them into completion. And um, like we as entrepreneurs think that we need to do it all. And it's often easier to just do it all ourselves because then we don't have to hire and train people. (laughs) And like it gets to be very burdensome to even think about bringing on help because we know that's a whole nother animal of time investment, right? Money investment. Um, But once you get over that sort of like initial time, money investment, 
it pays you back dividends, not only oh, just in sure. hopefully sales, but like your time, your time freedom. Because I think that's why we get into small business ownership in the first place is to create this time freedom. But the first couple of years, it's probably not going to feel that way. It's going to feel the opposite until you start to bring along the help and put in the systems that really, truly, you truly allow you to have that time freedom that you desire. I agree. And I think for small business, just with any business, because it all they all start small, is mm-hmm. I think it's important to be all of those hats in the beginning, because when you do hire, you know exactly yeah. how you want it to happen. And you're able to be so much more clear in training that person to replicate how you would do it, which is going to keep all of the cogs in the wheel flowing how it needs to. And if you bring someone on too early and you're like, I don't even really know how that system's going to work. It can be a little bit more tricky and messy in making all of those things flow together because you haven't, you haven't troubleshooted all of the possible things that could come up. When I gave that job over to my manager of like entering the new items into the system, I was able to be like, this sometimes happens. Here's what you do when this happens in the system or, you know, just to be able to give that to somebody and feel confident that they they know all the possible things that could trip the system up. Um, it made it so much easier for me to just like fully release that to her and not have to think about it. And oh my gosh, it is so freeing to know that I don't have to sit at the computer and just like plunk away putting all that in. And I, it's, it is mind blowing. The money, I don't even think about the money because- <laughs> the time freedom for my brain, the mental load of being like, Oh, I have all this computer work to do. It is, it's next level. 10 out of 10 recommend. Yeah, I agree. Doing and knowing all pieces of your business from the beginning are really important. Um, And then having that system and framework to then pass on to someone else, you know? So I'm constantly telling business owners, like build it before you need it, right? Like build out the system, have the tasks, of what you would eventually want to pass on to someone before you even hire them. So then you know exactly what you're hiring them for. There's a system for accountability. They feel like they know what is expected of them. It just makes it way smoother than, um, yeah, bringing someone on too soon and there is no framework or system. And then that's when I think you have, you have the ongoing, like, Oh, this is feeling a lot, like a lot because they're asking you a million questions (laughs) because there's nothing for them to go off of. Right. So, Build it before you need it. Absolutely. What would you say is your biggest joy in business and life currently? I would say probably thinking back to what I said about how I've always been in sales and I will always be a teacher and that I get to do both of those things forever. And I really, truly feel like entrepreneurship is is serving people and meeting their needs and filling gaps for them and taking them to the next level. So I just feel so fulfilled that I get paid to do that and that I get to be creative and think of new ways to, you know, connect with people where in the teaching world, it is so structured. Like these are your standards. Here's your book. I mean, there's not a lot of creative flow in that. And so I just feel so much more expansive in the ways that I can meet people where they're at. 
I love that. And you're totally validating my decision to not become a teacher because that's truly what I started to think was, oh, I have my business over here and there's unlimited freedom, potential, all the things. If I go this route, I think that there'll be some creativity, of course, but I think I'm really going to be confined to this little box. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be what I think it is. It might even be less than what I think. And I am not going to be happy and I'm not going to be satisfied. So (laughs) thank you for validating my decision from 10 years ago. Um, You're welcome. That's exactly what I I was thinking would happen. Um, And I could not agree more. And I think you can fuse those two things together of, you know, teaching and entrepreneurship. And I always say sales is serving. It's serving people, your product or service in a way that, you know, brings them, fulfills a need, a void and brings you joy too. So I totally agree. You can have both. What is next for you? What is next on your um, business or life goals? I know you have a mastermind coming up. Uh, Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's kind of the big focus right now is I have a three-night retreat um, next to the Twin Cities, really close to the airport. So if people fly in, it's a really short Uber ride over. And I value in-person time with people so, so, so much, especially since COVID. And I am an introvert. So I would, you know, typically I like to just stay in my home and just be by myself and my family who are all also introverts. Um, But when I get out and I connect face to face with a woman and I can just like pull that tiny little flame of belief in her out and have her like leave that retreat feeling so on fire. That is, Oh, it is the best. It brings me right back to teaching where I'm like in person with these people, like fanning that flame of belief in them. And it's what I was created to do. So I am hosting that retreat and then we're continuing it on with the mastermind afterwards because once you have that in-person connection, the Zoom Mm -hmm. calls are next level. If you start with the Zoom and then you have a retreat later, it's just, it's not the same. So the retreat is how we all meet each other and then we'll continue meeting after that. So I am so excited. We've, I've got one person um, that is about to sign up. I have right now a wait list and an application on my website. So I'm working through those. I really want to be intentional with gathering the women that are at the level of leap taking so mm-hmm. that I am not needing to like scaffold, you know, back to my teaching days. I want everyone to be sort of in the same realm. So some people aren't yet ready. This is the zone I'm looking for. And some people are like way beyond what I'm imagining teaching about at this retreat. So that is the reason for the application. It's not to be like, are you good enough to be here? It's where are you in your growth so that we are all like jiving with each other. Like that magic matters to me. So the wait list is out there and I'm just, I am this is another one of those like knowing my gut things like I can already see it happening and I'm just excited to see who the 10 women are. That is awesome. And I love that you are looking for people within this, this level of 
their business and journey because I do think that makes a difference too. You know, it's obviously great to be around people that are in all ages and stages, but when you're going really deep into different topics for an extended period of time, I think that makes sense to um, really be intentional about where people are at. So yeah, because when I do my one day workshops, that's where, you know, multiple levels of people can benefit because it's just, you know, that four to eight hour time period where we're all learning different things and these people help these people. And it's just like that short stint. But yeah, I totally agree. When you're three nights together, can all want to be in a similar spot. Yeah. What are you most proud of about yourself? Uh, that's such a hard question to say out loud. Why does that feel like the most vulnerable thing you've asked me the whole time? <laughs> it's my favorite question to ask people. Uh, I would say I am most proud of all of the nudges that I have followed blindly most mostly they are completely blind where I'm like I have no idea on the how I just had I know the end but a friend of me told me last week she's like the how is none of your business you just (laughs) you you step out in faith and you just you do and the doors will open opportunities will come it's just that I guess I'm very proud of that I trust that that voice Yeah, I love that. My final question, what drives your soul today? What do you get up for each morning? I get up for knowing that every time I do follow those nudges and I I just live authentically that somebody else is watching and it gives them the confidence to do the same thing. Because I've gotten messages over the last eight years from strangers telling me that same message and it's just that confirmation that this is what I'm supposed to be doing messy as it is I if I just trust that when I follow that nudge inside of me to do something scary that the reason might be that somebody else sees it and then takes their own brave step in a totally different direction than me but seeing the bravery inspires more bravery and we need more of that in this world Absolutely. Awesome. Well, this conversation was so great. I enjoyed it so much, Andrea. I'm so looking forward to meeting you in person at our upcoming Sister Circle Summit on Friday, March 22nd, and having you speak and share just your journey and your heart and your gifts with our community. So if we want to follow you and stay in touch with you, where can we find you? The best place is Instagram, and it's andrea.hanson.82. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining for another episode. And until next time, keep following what drives your soul. Are you ready to take your business to new heights in 2024? Well, join us for our fourth annual Sister Circle Summit, the only small business conference right here in the Cooley region created just for women. Whether you're a brand new small business owner, established business owner, or you're just looking to connect with other growth-minded women in business, this is the event for you. We have women from all ages, all stages of small business ownership coming together to learn, to grow, to connect, to get inspired. If you want to go even deeper, we invite you to join us for the VIP experience and the VIP ticket that includes our afternoon CEO series. 
This CEO series is going to help you take a unique approach to your business strategy by cultivating your personal brand alongside your business. In this session, you're going to learn how to connect your story to your community so that you can share your message in an authentic way, as well as learn how to intentionally network and cultivate the connections you desire to help you take your business to the next level. We hope you join us for this inspiring and powerfully impactful day to help you grow your business in 2024. For more information to purchase your tickets, head to sistercircle.co, click events, and learn about the general ticket, and we hope you join us for the VIP. We hope to see you there on Friday, March 22nd, right here in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Soul Driven with Steph. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it out with someone else who needs to hear this message. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you know when new episodes drop. And until next time, be sure to take care of your mind, your body, and your soul.